You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Matthew chapter 17. We're back in Matthew tonight. Thought we'd just run through it again on Sunday nights, if that's okay with you guys. (laughs) Not even a chuckle on that, huh? Matthew 17. Hold your place there. I appreciated the Send the Light song tonight, amen? I sure appreciate the good singing. Um, One of the announcements I, I knew, I could just tell I was forgetting something, but it just wouldn't come to me. But it's the, uh, Super Bowl Fellowship next Sunday night, guys, before church, before church is next Sunday night, and it's going to be at 5 o'clock, and bring a pot of soup for the S-O-U-P-E-R, Super Bowl Supper, next Sunday night, it's going to be good, and um, I got to get the whole thing in there, Super Bowl Championship, and then a side item, I have found out that side items could include anything from fried chicken, to brownies. I mean, they're all sit right on the side as far as I'm concerned. But I think they're probably thinking more like crackers and cheeses and sour creams and what was that? Seriously? Sandwiches? What are the kind of things we talk and all that kind of stuff? Where's Deanna? Yeah. Prime rib, Dale. Yeah, prime rib. Yeah, just, that sits on the side. A lot of stuff, see. So anyway, uh, sign-up sheet is in the foyer, and uh, we're looking for judges for the soup tasting and kitchen help. <laughs> so is that judges for the tasting and the kitchen help, or are we just looking for kitchen help? So we're needing kitchen help afterwards as well. So ladies, if you're willing to be a help for that, that'd, that'd be a, a great blessing. And uh, see Deanna Van Zee if you're interested, and she's not in here at, at this point, is that correct? So, all right, so if you would please do that, that'd be a... It's always been a great time, good fun here at the church, very enjoyable. So, I, uh, last Sunday night, I preached a message that I had gotten from our church planners conference. It had so spoke to my heart, and I had, uh, <clears throat> honestly, there was one prior to that, I had said, oh, I'm going to preach that at our church on Sunday night. And then I heard that one that night, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to preach that one Sunday night. So I'm going to preach the one I was going to preach the first time, and uh, how it just, I'll just be honest with you tonight, it's just a very basic and simple message. They won't come any simpler than what I'm going to share and say tonight. But as I I heard one guy say, um, profundity is wrapped up in simplicity, and I've always appreciated that statement. So I want to share a message tonight simply entitled, Let's Just Be Children. Give me a chance to develop that, if, if I could, please. Matthew 17. Drop down into verse 14 with me, if you will. You'll notice Christ and uh, his inner circle have just come back down from the Mount of Transfiguration. If you're familiar with what that was, Christ was transfigured before those three of his disciples, and he was standing basically in his glorified body, talking to several men of the Old Testament and uh, they came down and man they had never seen christ like this ever in their life 
One of the most humbling sights to be able to see was what those guys saw there that night. So they've come down from the mountain, and you talk about being on a mountaintop, even after you get down to the bottom of the mountain, you're in the valley, you're still on a mountaintop. And that's where these guys were just so encouraged and challenged in, uh, in what they had just seen with Christ. But you know, you remember what happened right there in verse 14, boom, they get down from the mountain, such a glorious sight, and they're met with this scene in verse 14. And when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is, I've heard some say, a lunatic, but that's not what it says. It just says he is lunatic. It's a condition. And sore vexed, for oft times he falleth into the fire and oft into the water. Now, for any parent uh, who may or may not have understood what this might be talking about, I, I, I remember a, a man in our church who had a son who was sore vexed in our church. And I'd I don't know what his issue was, but we were going down and looking at a certain place we wanted to camp. Actually, it was back in the woods where I grew up, and there was a creek back there, and we were all standing there talking about how this would be a great place, and all of a sudden, this young man just jumps into the water, and his dad goes in and grabs him, and just didn't have, a, uh, his mind wasn't clear, and can you imagine having a son that would do that in the water sometimes, and then in the fire at other times? <clears throat> so he said in verse 16, and they brought him to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. <clears throat> so we find the root of the problem here. And Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, why could not we cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, If ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Remember, if, if you just got a real tiny, small bit of faith. Verse 21 says, Howbeit this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and, <clears throat> and fasting. So let's have a word of prayer there and we'll get into this tonight. Father, thank you for the privilege of being here again tonight. I just would ask you as my heavenly father, would you help me tonight as I try to present this message in a way that would be the greatest help and bring about the greatest godly results for our church. And again, I would thank you for it in Jesus name I pray. Amen. A whole bunch of years ago, some of you that know my family will know this was a whole bunch of years ago. I don't remember which daughter it was. We raised three daughters. And um, so one of them was constantly come to me. It was one time after Christmas or something. And they're like, Daddy, please play, play house with me. And I'm like, okay, as soon as I'm not really busy. I planned on being really busy for a long, long time. But, I, but Daddy, oh, Daddy, please stop and, and play house with me. And we had gotten them this little doll set you know, these little cardboard things, and inside the little tea sets, and there's a little table inside, and you reach inside and move the little furniture around, and, I, and I'm like, okay, okay, I'm pretty excited. Let's go play. Let's go play uh, with the dollhouse. And so I remember I getting down and laying down on the floor with them, and they, would, they had a little tiny tea set in there that would hold about three drops of water, and uh, I drank four or five cups of that, and I started thinking, where are they getting water? Because... 
there's only one place in the house I can think of they can readily reach that water so easily. I'm like, I hope that's not where they're getting that water. And, but um, so I knew they couldn't reach the sink, and so I quit drinking tea with them. But we were having a great time, and uh, it was just so neat for my daughters. They just, man, daddy's on the floor with us. We're, we're playing dolls, we're playing dollhouse, and, and uh, you know, I helped set up the table in the dollhouse. I talked like a little child would talk. And I did several things with my girls that day, just like a child would do. Tonight in our message, God asks us to do much the same thing. I've not gotten to the passage yet where I want us to be. But I do hope you'll know and understand that there are times that we, as adult Christians, for sure need to grow up. Need to, to, you know, you hear it said, man up. Be the man, you know, or uh, take a strong stand for the things of God and it's time you, you get out of the kindergarten class of Christianity and you really need to mature and become you know, a strong Christian. And I, I'll preach, you know, my messages like that day in and day out. I believe that's very str- true, that we need to be strong Christians for Christ. But I do believe that in the midst of us growing into being strong, sturdy, mature Christians, we lose something in our relationship with our heavenly Father. So in verse 19, if you look back down there with me again, they're asking the question, you know, well, let's read it again. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, <clears throat> hey, why could not we cast him out? What was wrong with us? Was, did we have an issue with us or something? And, and of course, Jesus helping them and he kind of stepped in and did what could not be done by his other um, nine disciples that were left there while they were up on the Mount of Transfiguration. So verse 20, Jesus said to them, guys, the problem was it was was your unbelief. You did not have strong enough belief in my word and in what Christ has given to you. For verily I say unto you, Guys, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. And I'm sure they stood back and they thought about that, and they probably said, you know, uh, we've heard you say things like that before. When will we ever get to a place where we could do things like that? The nine couldn't do it. But Peter, James, and John, and let me qualify what I'm going to say here. Peter, James, and John seem to do, when you read through the the Gospels and so forth, it just seemed like there were times they were able to do some things that the others could not do. And and why why couldn't the nine do what those in the inner circle seemed like they could do? Would you just drop down now to chapter 18 with me, and I want to take this a step further. It's interesting to me. that it says in the beginning of uh, verse 1, at the same time, which would seem to indicate that right, on, right in line with all the events that were just spoken about and with the difficulty of being able to help heal that little boy and all the people gathered around wondering why the disciples weren't able to do what they said they could always do before and after all these events and then some other things that were instructed about um, Christ's death and about taxes and so forth, it seems like you just break right into chapter 18. And if you'll notice, at the same time came the disciples unto Jesus saying, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? 
And Jesus called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them and said, Verily I say unto you, except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. <clears throat> so we're going to stop there. There's several more you could, could read that would kind of tie in with that. But if I can hold off there for just a minute. <clears throat> He talked to them about, except you be converted. Now, he was talking to, let's see. The disciples came unto Jesus. And Jesus answered who? His disciples and said, um, except you be converted. So was he telling his own disciples, guys, you really need to get saved. You need to be converted in your heart and soul and come to know me as your Savior. You've got all your problems to get worked out. And that's not what he was saying. He was talking about having a mind change to become as a little child. I need you to think when it comes to getting needs met, and I hope Eastside will listen to this, when it comes to getting our needs met, I believe Jesus was saying to them, you need to be converted in another way because you've grown now. Uh, we've become so mature now in the Lord, and we've lost what it's like to be like a little child and just to come to our heavenly, notice he's our father. If he's our father, what does that make me? It makes me a child. And I'm just a little child before him. And he's talking about having a mind change to where I begin when I'm coming to God for my needs getting met. I just need to come to the Lord like a little child would and be able to beg and plead that <clears throat> my Heavenly Father would be able to help me. You know, we've, we've come to that place again. Now we're so grown up and we're mature now. And we don't do those childish, we don't act like children anymore. And again, I, and I preface my message already with these kind of statements, but let me say it again. I understand that Paul said things like this in 1 Corinthians 13, 11. He said, when I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. And I know there's a context to that verse as well. But I, I do understand that in the Christian life, there's some things that were childish that once I got saved, you know, we need to learn how to set aside. And, and I get that. We need to learn how to stop being so selfish. As children are selfish, we need to stop learning how to do things ourselves and try to make things happen ourselves and recognize the sovereign hand of God. I understand there's a part of growing up as a Christian that sets aside a part of our childhood to where we become uh, you know, mature saints in the Lord. Hebrews 6 actually deals with that. Uh, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance, and he goes on into that. But basically he was saying in Hebrews 6, it's time to mature. It is time to grow up as a Christian. It's time to learn how to handle some things in a, in a heavy way as far as serving Christ and getting things done for God. But I'm going to bring it right back to this. When it comes to getting things from God, when I go to the throne of grace and when I fall on my face or when I'm walking around this church and praying or I'm on my face at one of these pews praying to God throughout the week, God says to me, Philip Spencer, you better learn how to be a little child when it comes to getting things from me again. One thing is evident about the disciples that Jesus did use. They still had the mind of a little child. And you'll have to agree with me, there were times they still acted like children in ways they shouldn't have. You remember Peter uh, taking the sword and cutting the ear off of Malchus? servant of the high priest. Uh, remember the disciples that came to Jesus and said, hey, we came up upon some other disciples and uh, 
<clears throat> or at least they said they were your, your uh, uh, disciples or something to that effect, and, and they won't follow us. Should we call fire down from heaven and, and, and let's burn them alive? Jesus is like, no, 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 calm down now just a little bit. You know, they acted like children in a lot of ways. But at the same time, there were ways that they learned how uh, to lean upon Jesus' breast, the Bible says, just to look to him as a, as a little child would uh, to, their, to their parents and plead and need the things that only a father could give to them. So Jesus said to these rugged fishermen, you need to become as a little child. You need to understand this tonight, every one of us, and I'd say it right to my face, the first one. Do we understand that there is no status in heaven? There's no ranking. Just little children. And when you come to the throne of grace, <clears throat> God is just looking for me and you to come to him like a little child would. And I, I've got dozens of thoughts in my mind of my little girls running up to me asking for this and that and the ways that it spoke to my heart. But let me give you some thoughts tonight <clears throat> as we wrap up the tail end of this message. Number one, if I'm going to become as a little child, I need to remember, first of all, little children need guidance. How many would say an amen to that? Think about your children. Think about these little ones running around here. And, and uh, I think we know and understand children need guidance. Candace was three years old. And um, we had a bike, and we had training wheels on it, and she wanted in the worst way. She's three years old. She's at the tail end of being three. She was, I think the next day was her birthday being four. She wanted those training wheels off in the worst way. I don't want to ride with training wheels. And so, okay, Candace, and I took them off, and zoom, crash. Uh, and, and dozens of times, I'm not exaggerating, dozens of times that day, Daddy, can you help me? Daddy, can you just help me? And I'd hold the back of the seat and this, you know, the handle up here and then I'd let go of the handle and I'd keep holding the back of the seat and I'd try to give some guidance to it and she'd be walking I mean it's just like this every time and she's like go daddy let go I'm like you're gonna crash let go crash happened every time dozens of times that day knees all skinned up crying getting back up on the bike and it was toward evening and finally one time I, I let go of the bike and that little wobbly thing was just going like this and she was making it and she turned around to look at me to show me that she had made it and crash. <clears throat> but she, she, I mean, from that time on, she could ride a bike. She didn't do it without any guidance. So, do you even need guidance from God today? Or do you have your ducks in a row so much that you've got life all worked out for you? I got things in, <clears throat> all set up, and I've, I've straightened a lot of things out with our family. I've got some things taking place here at church. I, you know, I, I feel like I've got some things in order in my life, and I think I've got life, life in a row. And <clears throat> Have you come to a place to where you just don't feel like, I have to depend upon God so much? I've actually had people tell me, preacher, I don't talk to God about little things. Matter of fact, I don't even ask Him for things. When I just go to the Lord, I... I just tell him thanks for everything and I just never ask for anything. Oh my goodness, friend, you never get ever, ever get to that place, ever. Uh, in everything, yes, give thanks, but you have not because you ask not. That's the truth. <clears throat> so 
our little children, we as little children need guidance. So when's the last time, guys, you just knelt down before God and told him, God, I need you to guide me. I cannot make this. And I have preached here for a lot of years, 30-some years now. But I'll be honest with you, every Sunday morning I wake up, this is the truth, and I'm like, oh God, I just can't, I'm not going to be able to do this, I need you to, I've got to preach again Sunday morning to all these people, and Lord, they need to be fed, and I can't do this, and that message is not going to be good enough. I go through all these things with God, and I get on my face and just say, if you don't do it, it's not going to get done. I'll say things like, God, will you give legs to the sermon so that it'll stand up and have life before the people, and I just beg him. I let him know I need his guidance today. I remember, um, boy, 33, 34 years ago now, Pastor Rick Henry was the pastor here at the time. How many of you were here at that time? Rick Henry. Rick Henry, more than I thought was going to be here. And uh, he walked up to me one, I still remember on the outside, we were all outside and something was going on behind the building and I remember him walking up to me and stopping me and saying, uh, uh, Brother Phil, I need you to know something, I'm going to be resigning. And I could tell something was going to be happening. We all knew it because things were so bad with his wife and so forth. And, and I remember him asking me, would you want me to consider uh, your name uh, to, the, to the deacons, uh, the pulpit committee, to be considered potentially as the pastor? And if you'd asked me that a year or two ago, I'd have said, no way. But God had been working in my heart. And I, and I knew in my heart, I could just sense God prodding, putting his finger in my heart. And I said, yes, I, I, I would, would uh, like to have my name considered amongst uh, anybody else. And um, so I'll never forget the vote, the, I believe it was an evening the church voted. And I, I never forget walking out of the church the night I was voted to be pastor of Eastside Baptist Church. That was one thing to walk out the doors and get in my car and drive home. But I'll tell you this, when I walked into the church that whatever morning it was, Monday or Tuesday morning, and I stepped into what used to be Pastor Rick Henry's office, and I walked in as the pastor of the church. I just remember sitting, over, standing there looking at the desk and <clears throat> my few little box of bookses and bookses. <laughs> I'm working on being like a child as much as I can, and I'm doing a pretty good job here tonight. You got your bookses with you? <laughs> my little boxes of books and I, I just didn't have much. I had a little few things of pens and a pair of scissors <laughs> and a Bible sitting on the desk. And I remember walking over behind that desk and I just, I turned the lights off and I went into the corner of that building and I, I remember how I just wept. And I just told God, I don't know what to do. I don't know what's next. I don't know how you want me to lead this church. But if it's going to get led, it's going to have to be done because you do it. I remember how trembly that was and how fearful I was and how little I felt as the pastor of this church. <clears throat> I really don't ever want to lose that. I don't want to ever come to a place where I feel like I've got it handled. I've got tons of books now, guys. You just look at my office and I've, I've got all, man, my drawers are full of stuff and, and the cupboards and I'm, I hide stuff wherever I can hide it. I got so much stuff now. I'm a real pastor now because I got stuff on the wall and things like that. But I'm just going to tell you tonight, I know with all my heart I cannot do this. I, I need God. I'm so dependent upon him. 
And I never get to a place where I know I've got this handled. I've just never gotten there. And I don't want to ever get there. I'd rather sit there scared to death to walk to this pulpit and to preach the Word of God knowing that if He doesn't do something that I, I'm, just, I'm not going to make it than to be very self-confident and bounce up here like I've got life all together and talk to God about once a week. Man, I don't want to live a life like that. I don't want to get mature enough in my Christian walk to where I don't depend upon God. I'm just saying, if you're going to become as a little child, if you're going to be converted to where you get something from God that God can bless you and work with you in a tremendous way, then you better learn how to talk like a little child talks to his daddy and lets him know, if you don't do this, I can't get it done. We need to learn how, like little children, to fall on our faces and just beg God like a little child would ask for help from their parents when they really need it. I would just ask you tonight, when's the last time you talked to God like a little child that needed guidance? And if you don't help me with this, God, it's not going to get done. I have news for you. That's true of everything in your life. If God doesn't do it, nothing's going to get done in your life. Just don't walk around feeling like I've got it handled and I'm, I'm mature enough and I'm such a sturdy, strong Christian now and I can handle life. Don't ever get to that place you always are are dependent upon God whether you realize that or not so number one little children need guidance number two little children love their parents one of my favorite memories all time is when I would uh, come home from church and I was just uh, I was just the assistant pastor at the time I'd come home from church, and I remember uh, summertime, and I could still see the, the, the door was open, the screen door was closed, but the door was open, and I could see little fingers at the bottom of the screen and two little eyeballs, and that's, that's all I could see. Everything else obviously was covered, and it was, uh, it was little Tisha. She was trying to peek up over there and to see Daddy was coming home. <clears throat> and as soon as I'd open that door, man, she would just come around and hug my kneecaps, you know, one of those kneecap hugs. I just, I just, I just loved that when my, my little girls would hold on to me and they would tell me they loved me. They couldn't even say it right. But I love you means so much to me at that time. I, just, I didn't care how they expressed that. And uh, I, I got to be honest with you, man, it, it melted my heart whenever Tish would do that. I loved coming home and seeing her trying to peek up over that screen and see when Daddy would come home and just to hear those words, Daddy, I love you. And she didn't know it at the time, but uh, she could have just said, Daddy, and can we go to Dairy Queen? And I'd say, sure, honey, come on, I'll just take you to Dairy Queen. Now, to be fair, if a total stranger asked me to take him to Dairy Queen, I probably would, but it was really pretty special when it was my daughter. Touched my heart to see the kind of love that they had for me. There was nothing like hearing my little girls telling me that she loved me. Honestly, it peeled my heart right open to them. I made myself vulnerable to them. I've talked to you about all that took place down there in, at uh, the Church Planners Conference, and I've given you just a little bit of an idea of what took place down there, and it was so blessed my heart. But one of the great blessings for me was uh, Tish and Joe came and brought four grandkids. Man, that's a blessing. I, I love um, sitting on a, a couch at one point, and um, one of my granddaughters said, Papa, can you just come here? It was the night before we were leaving, and All she wanted to do was just to lean up against me and put her arm around me and hold me, and she just fell asleep that way. She just wanted to let me know she loved me. That'll peel your heart open. 
when you sense somebody loving on you, just like, <clears throat> it was just like a little kid. It, it was nothing special. It was just them being a child. So can I ask you this again tonight? When's the last time you just stopped what you were doing and looked up toward heaven and just said, you know, God, I really do love you. This is so special. This life that you've given to me is so special, God. I can't believe it. I, I get in my vehicle and I say, God, thank you. I know this is from you. And, and I, I, I'll say that walking into this building, God, <clears throat> it's so special, God, thank you. I've got all kinds of clothing, you know, the lost and found section. This is the section where I lost my weight. And here's the section where I found my weight. So it's the lost and found section. But I've got a ton of clothing. I've got all I'd ever need. I'm saying, thank you, Lord. You're so good to me. I love you. And all the little things that God brings our way, if you lose sight of the fact that I'm just a little child who a loving Heavenly Father that created the universe zeroed in on one little speck of dust called Philip Spencer and drops down blessings every day. How can you not be like a little child and just say, God, I love you. It means so much to me. You know how easy it is to become a professional Christian? You know what a professional Christian is. You know, you, you can walk in here tonight, make everybody think you're the most loving person in the whole room. Again, you've got your act together. Uh, life is good for me. I, I'm, I'm rock solid. Uh, I'm just going to tell you tonight, friend, you can fool everybody but the Holy Spirit. Because God knows your heart, and He knows how we can get so fake, hypocritical all put together and falling apart on the inside. You know what you need is, you just need to get along with the Lord and fall down on your knees and just tell him, God, you're so good to me. I mean, little children, you know what's so neat about little children? You know this to be true. Little children love their parents, whether they're good or bad parents. Little children just love them. You ever seen a real abusive situation, little children, and you, you know there's, they're in a really tough circumstance Even those little kids, though, they still want those parents. They just love them. They love the good and the bad. But guys, God is good all the time. There's never a time God is not good. He's so loving and gracious and providing to us. And we ought to be like little children and just love on the Lord. Little children love their parents. And then last tonight, little children depend on their parents. I know these are all kind of interrelated. I don't know how you can really separate them out anyway. But little children depend on their parents. <clears throat> we all need the Lord just to do life for us, honestly. I mean, God's got to do it or it's not going to get done. But um, we'll, we'll get to going in life trying to make something happen and we'll pound and work at it. It's just not coming together. And then we'll call out to God and tell him, Lord, I need you to do this. That reminds me so much of when our, our little girls, we'd uh, buy them a little toy or something, and uh, the worst saying in the world on the outside of a box is, some assembly required. That's the worst words in the world on the side of a box. I hate it. Some is the improper word. Much, to- total assembly required is, would be more honest, but, you know, and, and they're, they're, I'm like, honey, I got to put this together. I know how to do this. They're four years old. You've never even seen this before. I know, but I know how to do this. And you know, about five minutes later, they come back about 12 different pieces. And Daddy, I, I, I can't do this. Can you, can you fix this for me? And you take all the mess, straighten it all back out, pull out the rule book and see what it says. And you 
finally put it together. And I'm just saying, uh, guys, tonight, maybe we've got a bunch of things in our lives that are all jumbled up and things that I know how to handle. And I know how to do this, God. I can handle this. And we've taken it and tried to make things work and pound on this in our life and work and try to make this happen the way I think it ought to be working. And if it doesn't work that way, I'll, I'll try this. And that's not working out so good. You know, sometimes, guys, what God is looking for is people just to bring a handful of a mess of life, just lay it out before God and say, I can't do this. I am totally dependent upon you. You know the Bible says, by him all things consist. God is the one that holds life together. I love Philippians 2.13. Listen to this. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. It's God that does the work in us, guys. It's, it's not us that does that. How do we ever get to the place where we think we can do all this on our own? I don't know how that happens, but it certainly starts off, I think, with a word called pride. Children just think their parents can do anything. I used to take an apple, and the girls would come running to me with their apples, and they'd, Daddy, split this apple, and I could somehow take that and peel on it, peel on it, it would split down the middle. Man, they thought I could just do anything. They'd, they'd bring their friends... Uh, over to me daddy show them this apple thing thinking their daddy can just do anything you know sometimes you get to a place where you lose sight of the fact that God can do anything we start thinking you know well he can do anything except and he's not going to try to work in this for me or this circumstance has reached a place you know it's one of those kind of things God's just not going to put his hand on you don't say those words out loud You don't even so much put them into sentences in your mind, but in your heart that attitude starts to rule and to reign and God's just not going to handle this and so we stopped acting like little children. You know, we're the grown-ups, we're the mature ones and you cannot handle it. Again, when's the last time you just talked to God like a little dependent child? God, I've got to have you take these things and work them out for me. Some of us have just gotten too grown for our own good. What was it your dad used to say to you? Son, you're getting too, getting too big for your britches. Now, I don't like that statement today. <laughs> I've got to bump up to the next size. But you know what dad meant when he would say that. You really think you're something. My dad could have, man, he could have really, my dad never tried to belittle us. But he could have said things like, You just really think you can handle that? You could have. You you think really somebody your size and with what's in your mind can really handle that? He never said any of those things, but he could have because that's the way we get to. We just don't need to ask God for help for anything anymore. I'm not going to ask God for help for every little thing in my life. I mean, some things I've got to eventually step up and start doing some of these myself. Well, of course, it's these hands that do it, but it's the hand of God working through those hands that accomplishes that. Tonight, maybe we just need to be converted and become like a little child again. God would just love for you to fall down on your knees again. Just have some time with just him and tell him, God, this, this life's bigger than me. I can't handle it. There's some things going on I've been working at for a long time, God, and you know and I know I can't handle this. I need my Father. I'm so dependent upon you. Would you please bless and help me with these things tonight? But if you're not careful, you'll just continue to be the grown-up people that we are. I got life by the tail, man. I've got things handled. Go on struggling and struggling through your life. 
Christ, Christ wants to be the driving force of your life. He wants to do it all. He wants to be the one in absolute control, and he wants you to understand you're just a little child. And he's just looking for the Christians who realize that from their birth, when they were born again, to the day that they step into heaven, they need God. We're just little children, and unless our Father helps us, guys, honestly, we're hopeless. In everything, we're hopeless. Unless you become converted and become like little children, yes, true, if you're not saved and you're not willing to humble yourself like a little child and admit that you're lost and on your way to hell, obviously, yes, you'll, you'll spend eternity in hell. But for the Christians, for one that's already saved, unless you're willing to be converted and recognize and understand this life is about being like a child when I go to my Heavenly Father to get my needs met, you're never going to know a true life of success until you realize we're just little children and a great heavenly father wants to show his great majesty in your life and show what he can do in your life for you. We want to encourage you to